we can have these amazing speakers all over the world, but sometimes it's a nine hour time difference. So we might need to think about that <laughs> or a three hour time difference. You don't want your field trip at 3 a.m., Rena? No. <laughs> no, I mean, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. The topic of today's podcast is leveraging virtual field trips to engage students in authentic learning experiences. Tech Talk for Teachers is brought to you by Avid.org. Avid believes it is essential to provide students with authentic and relevant learning experiences. Tech Talk for Teachers. You want to practice? Tech Talk for Teachers. The podcast where teachers discuss how technology can positively transform teaching and learning. I'm Rena Clark. I'm Paul Beckerman. And I'm Pam Beckerman. We are digital learning specialists. And we're here to share actionable teaching strategies for remote, face-to-face, and blended learning. Education Education is our passport to the future. Our quote today comes from travel expert Rick Steves. Travel is rich with learning opportunities, and the ultimate souvenir is a broader perspective. Oh, one of my favorite quotes, but now you've got me wanting to go travel. (laughs) You got to take me with you. (laughs) Okay, you can come with. Rena, you going to come? I I mean, maybe Steve and I could come and it could be fun. Oh, more than You can bring him too. That's okay. But, you know, (laughs) then we get someone to watch the kids. So I'm all for it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I honestly cannot wait for COVID to be under control so the borders open and we can get out there and experience this rich world around us. I totally agree with collecting perspectives during travel. Um, I'd much rather have an experience than a trinket or a souvenir. You know, trinkets sit on the shelf, but perspectives shape my everyday self and help me, I hope, make me a better person. And I know that by traveling, I have a much more authentic understanding of other people, other parts of the world, points of view, things like that. And I, I hope I'm a better person because of it. I'm kind of excited that we're talking about virtual field trips today, because even if we can't do that physical travel yet, we can still experience the world beyond our four walls virtually. Yeah, and I love that idea of broader perspective, deeper understanding. But something you just said kind of triggered my thinking was this idea of a shared experience. Because when I think of travel, I've done a little bit of traveling alone, which is very different. There's some different skills needed for that, which are also really great. But this idea of a shared experience that you can build on and talk about and bring into conversation. So I love this idea of having these virtual field trips, this virtual shared experience of to go places that otherwise are unattainable. So I'm really excited about our conversation today. Yeah. And if you and Steve go travel with Pam and I, then it'll be a shared experience. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Well, certainly field trips have long been part of the tradition of education, right? They are an excellent way to engage students in those real world learning experience that is just so hard to do in a traditional classroom setting. And um, fortunately, because of what's now available online, the opportunities for students to experience field trips has become much more feasible and wide ranging. We certainly still want to be able to do those face-to-face field trips, right? But now we have opportunity to also do virtual field trips. I mean, imagine in one day, students could explore the pyramids of Giza, um, appreciate the art at the Louvre, travel back in time to the colonial Williamsburg, and even travel to the solar system all in one day. (laughs) 
Real quick story about the Louvre, y'all, because All this right. is just a something. So <laughs> I was very lucky after I graduated high school, my dad took me with him on this little trip to Europe and we were in Paris. And so we had a couple days and we decided on the day to go to the Louvre. And of course, we chose the last day in Paris to go to the Louvre and we showed up and there's literally like a sign on the door saying oh. it's the one day a year. No. It is closed. <laughs> no. <laughs> and it is our oh. last day. I have not been back since. So it's just a a joke in our family anytime or even any friend is near the Louvre, they take a, a picture and send it to me because they think it's hilarious. That, But now with virtual field trips, I can go. Go, back. go online, Rena. <laughs> go again. <laughs> the doors will be open this time. <laughs> and make sure you spell it right. Otherwise, you're going to the Lou. That's a different place. Uh, <laughs> well, it's really cool with virtual field trips. There really is not a geographical limitation, right, in the traditional sense. And it really kind of minimizes some of the teacher logistics of trying to plan those, especially to Paris, <laughs> which wouldn't be possible and decreases those uh, uh, decreased loss of uh, student learning time. I just think of how much time it just took to get them on the bus, to get them there, how much time we actually got to spend there before we were trying to bus back. So, um, it's really nice that it removes some of those barriers so we can provide students more multiple opportunities for those experiences, which are so important. So, Rena, you shared a little bit of your favorite field trip memory. How about, Paul, what's your favorite <laughs> field trip memory? Uh, not going to the loo. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Although there's a story about the loo in, in Italy that, that uh, yeah, we'll just skip that one. But anyway, <laughs> I Okay, so this is not a field trip I took students on, but there were some amazing ones that I did. Um, I'm actually thinking about one of our, our our first time we went over to Europe, which super you know grateful that we were able to do that. But it's the perspectives again, and that's what I keep coming back to that I gained by talking to people from those places, by interacting with people from those places. Um, we had a a guide, Herr Jung, in Germany. And he talked about how the Rhine was always frozen over when he was a kid and they would go skating up and down the Rhine. And now it hasn't been frozen over for over 20 years. Just that perspective, that whole global warming thing, just, it, it just brings it into a different perspective. And then we were in, um, not Venice, uh, Florence. No, it was Venice. We were in Venice and it was a full moon and the whole St. Mark's Square flooded. It was underwater because, again, of global warming. And to see those things in person, it's just such a, an impactful kind of an experience that um, I don't know how you can get anywhere else um, powerful. Rena, you shared one of yours, but what is a favorite one? You shared a scarring one. <laughs> so it was actually interesting as a student, um, and mm -hmm. I grew up in Walla Walla, Washington, so much smaller town, five hours to like the nearest big city, um, five hours from Seattle, which is where I am now. But it, my eighth grade science teacher, Mrs. Parrish, shout out because she was amazing. Hey, Mrs. Parrish. But, but we did this field trip where we actually went to Seattle and we got to go to the aquarium. We went on a boat and did some, we pulled water, did science experience, experiments, and then had an interaction with a live diver and then got to spend the night and go to a camp. And for I was lucky in a family. I understand I was privileged. Like I traveled a lot. I've been to lots of places, but a lot of kids, you know, they never left our small town. They've never been on like a free, like seeing traffic, which still is shocking to me sometimes. And I'm in around it all the time, but it's like, what? There's more than three cars on a road. Um, what, 
how to kind of what it looks like to be in a city and then also to have that experience of like we've talked about sea life but to actually be there see it interact with it was really neat and then what's crazy is as a elementary teacher I then took my students on the same a little bit different updated field trip later on and it was always like the big field trip for the year was this we went out just a one day out on the boat and did this um, science experiments on the boat, pulled up water samples, had this interactive diver. It was a great, great field trip. So it was really fun to know that I did that as a student and then take my students. Nice. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That is. Pam, what about you? My favorite field trip in terms of in person was when I would take my week or we had a weekly news program and I would take those students midway through the year to an actual Twin Cities news station and they would watch the live noon broadcast and they were literally feet from the desk and it was just so cool for them to watch that live in person and see the production behind the scenes and then when I think of like a virtual field trip um, how powerful it is to take students to like national parks and I think of when I was at a national park with some students uh, virtually and I've been there in person but I never went up to the dome I got to look up at it (laughs) how amazing but virtually I could I I could do what I would never do in person because I'm too scared of heights. I could be at the top and get a sense of that view. So how powerful that was. Did you climb Half Dome virtually? Uh, Yes, I did. Virtually never in person, but virtually. So how (laughs) how powerful is that? And then to watch the students, just their expression engage in that was pretty amazing. So there are a lot of benefits of the virtual field trip that has to offer. So Paul, what's a couple that come to your mind as benefits to offering that to our students. So I think it really helps to mitigate the inequities. You kind of talked about that earlier, but not everybody has the time and money to go places. It does at least get people's foot in the door a little bit and and see it. Obviously, we'd like to have people go in person to places, but it's a nice alternative to be able to, to get exposed to some of those things. And then I think that does broaden the perspectives again. Going back to that Germany trip, that Harry Young, he was actually a member of Hitler's youth and he was not sympathetic of Hitler Mm -hmm. at all. His family was totally against it. In fact, he was going to say something when the military came to the school against it. And his, his teacher made him be quiet, which probably saved his life. And then he felt so bad because it was either you're either sign up for Hitler's youth or you starve. I mean, that was essentially it. I had never had that perspective. He spent the rest of his life as a teacher trying to make reparations to the Jewish community for what kind of his country did. And even even to this day, he has former students who are Jewish students who invite him to the United States to come and see him because he had that positive pay it forward feedback. But that perspective, just so powerful for me. And while we can't take all our students to Germany to have that, an extension of our virtual field trip is virtual guest speakers. Yeah, The opportunity to bring those people to our classrooms too um, is so powerful. And I would even extend like the opportunity to bring people to our classroom who look like our students. Yeah, I think the access is, you know, is never before an option. So I think that's another great thing about virtual field trips. Absolutely. As you said, they're going to extend their learning beyond the classroom. But one thing, this might sound a little logistical, but there's actually research behind the fact that on days when there's field trips, there's higher attendance. And that includes virtual field trips. So I know around here we have uh, what are called late start Fridays. And then there's some districts that have early release Wednesdays. And especially this year, all of our Fridays are remote learning fully. 
And it actually just came out like there's a lot of attendance dropping off. So I've been encouraging some people to think about virtual field trips on Fridays because that will actually increase in attendance, but also give those students an experience because I know my own kids, it didn't matter that it was a virtual field trip. They were going to the zoo and they you would have thought that they were winning the lottery. They were excited. They were jumping up and down. And then they also added like a theme to it, like, you know, you can bring your stuffy along to the zoo with you, your favorite <laughs> stuffy. And they loved it like they had such a great experience and the way they talked about it they were like we went on a field trip it wasn't even a virtual field trip to them it was just we got to go on a field trip so that excitement is just really amazing that you can create that kind of excitement and even when students are remote or in the classroom at home so awesome and i think of how empowering it is i think of when i would take a group of students to the zoo and how stressed out i was as a teacher or as a chaperone when it was our kids and counting heads and watching them and kind of corralling them all through the exhibits one at you know just to make sure you didn't lose anybody but the freedom that you can give students in a virtual field trip that they can explore and um, investigate or spend more time on an exhibit than maybe you would normally corral them through. And I think that's so motivating and, and encouraging. I also think it's an, a great opportunity to expose them to careers. I mean, they get a chance to see a zookeeper. They get a chance to see the NASA astronaut at the, um, you know, at the shuttle kind of experiences that we wouldn't normally get a chance to see. Um, so maybe inspire them. I took students to Medtronics that make the pacemakers. And so for the students to see engineers, for girls to see si female scientists lead them through the the facilities was pretty uh, powerful. And I do think it's a little bit about reducing the teacher workload. I mean, rather than counting heads and getting permission slips and getting chaperones and scheduling that bus and all the effort that takes to have that moment, it's so much easier that we can have repeated experiences instead of one field trip for the year, which I think is so important. So you've alluded to a couple of things, but I think it's important to think about what are some of those things we need to think about or consider when basically deciding what virtual field trip to take. Um, so you kind of mentioned a few things like it looking to make sure it's interactive and will work well for your students. Like, is it age appropriate? Um, what are some things that you need to make it successful? What kind of devices do they need? Are there any links being filtered by your district firewall? What are the considerations for time and also time differences? Because as you said, we can have these amazing speakers all over the world, but sometimes it's a nine hour time difference. So we might need to think about that or a three hour time difference. You don't want your field trip at 3 a.m., Rena. No. <laughs> no, I mean, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, um, no. <laughs> so, and then thinking about how we can leverage virtual field trips to engage students in authentic learning. Um, and also, just so you know, we have a great article out right now um, at avidopenaccess.org called leverage virtual field trips to engage students in authentic learning experiences. So you can That's check out that article learning. and there's tons of links and resources within that article for some places to get started about hmm, where should I go? And, and then the other thing I want to point out is like giving students voice and choice over the experience. So maybe you can narrow it down to a couple, but then, or even ask students, what kind of field trip would you like to go on to? Or which one do you think? And if you're really Really, you know, you don't have to deal with chaperones and things, but you could even do more than one, you know. <laughs> so some things to think about. Or maybe you have it for, you know, one a month or every other week or however you want to set that up. And then you can have students make choices over what they want to engage in. 
So as we're thinking about, you know, preparing and getting ready for those virtual field trips, what are things students can or should do before the virtual field trip, Pam? Yeah, we want to prime and set them up. And one way we can do that is to spark their interest. I mean, finding a quote, a picture, video, artifact, something that builds upon what they already know connected to that content or standard, but really activates their interest. And then I think it's really important that, um, they be part of generating the questions. You talked about being a part of maybe selecting where they go, but also what they want to know and discover and explore as part of that experience. So that KWL strategy is such a good one to use with field trips. I mean, giving them a chance to think before they go, what do we already know? What do we wonder or want to know so that then they can process what they learned, I think is so important. And then um, giving them a chance to get an orientation to that that space, that digital place that they're going to visit. Although I would caution against over um, giving them an over orientation to it, because I think part of the uh, empowerment is letting them wonder and explore and discover, I think is so important too, but you don't want them also to feel frustrated or feel like they're facing barriers in that experience. And then what are some things students can or should do during the virtual field trip? Any ideas, Paul? Yeah, you know, we want to give them purpose for sure, right? And it should align with what we're hoping they get out of that. We want to engage them. We don't want to over restrict them. We still want them to be able to wander and explore. Pam kind of alluded to that too. So we can give them some kind of a structure. Maybe it's a scavenger hunt. Maybe it's some kind of a jigsaw experience. Um, we can let them have choice in how they want to record some of their observations and aha moments. Maybe somebody likes to use their cell phone and just record their audio clips on it. Maybe somebody wants to draw things on a little drawing app on their phone. Maybe another person wants to actually type them or text them to themselves. Um, there's so many different ways, but if we let kids kind of align to their own learning style, I think that's an empowering piece. All right, let's, uh, let's think about now we've gone on the field trip. We've done the activity. We've done the experience. It's been amazing. Kids are talking about it. They're buzzing about it. What do we do after that? Because we still need to do some follow-up process. We don't just go on a field trip and, and let it go. There's more to it than that. Oh, and that reminds me, um, you know, my class field trip to the Coca-Cola factory, all the other kids were excited, but the whole time I was just praying that there wouldn't be a pop quiz. Oh, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I was thinking about assessment. You know, how do you assess the value? Well, anyway, so <laughs> how do we assess the learning that's happened on a field trip when we get back there? And in my mind, I think it should be two things. One, it should be authentic. And two, it should not just be regurgitation. It shouldn't be just telling me what you saw verbatim. I want you to do something that elevates it and takes it to a little bit higher level. Do something transformative with that information. Rena. Do you have any favorite ways that, that you would have kids demonstrate learning? Well, there's so many opportunities, and I like the idea of providing choice and how students show their understanding or what they've learned. Even in the KWL chart, like completing it is like a good way. Um, we, they could create a travel guide through the virtual experience. I like the idea of them making like a commercial for the virtual field trip to get others. Like, why would they want to take this virtual field trip? Um I mean, they could even take what they learn and and apply it to if you were going to make your own virtual field trip for so-and-so, what did you learn from this that you could apply? It just depends back to what were your intended learning outcomes in the first place. Because mm -hmm. um, 
it might not actually be about the thing you're seeing. So if you're going to the zoo, maybe the learning isn't about the tiger. Maybe the learning is about using maps to navigate. Mm -hmm. Um, So what are those intended learning purposes? And then depending on that, that will, I think, (laughs) determine what you want those um, demonstrations of learning to be. For sure. And there's a couple different kinds of processing afterward too. So you're talking about processing the academic learning that's happening or the skill learning that's happening. But also we want to have kids process and reflect on on the experience and, and how they process that. Pam, do you want to, what are your thoughts on that piece of it? Yeah, it's so important that we give them an opportunity to also develop their metacognition skills, right? That opportunity of reflection on how they learn. So using reflection questions, what did you discover that surprised you the most? What new questions do you now have? Um, or reflection stems, something unexpected I discovered was, or I used to think, now I think. You kind of gave some nice examples of that, Paul. I think it's so important. It's a chance to even think about their perspective and how it's changed. And there are a lot of digital tools and strategies to support with that reflection. I mean, you could have them do reflection journals using something as simple as like a Google Doc or Words or Seesaw if it's a primary level, blog reflections so that they can interact and it's more authentic in real world, exit ticket, whip around reflections with Padlet, Flipgrid, so many tools, but to give them that opportunity to reflect on how they learn, not just what they learned is so important. And talk about tools, it is time for our tech toolkit. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. What's in the toolkit? What? What is in the toolkit? What's in the toolkit? Check it out. What is your favorite resource for finding those virtual field trips? I love Google Arts and Culture website. That is like, I go in there and I just get lost for hours digging in. There's museums, there's parks, there's geography, there's NASA, there's the Smithsonian Institutes. I even found one, you click on this little thing and, and it's with, if you use the app, you can do an art selfie and you find artists that painted things that look like you. (laughs) There was another one where you can sort by colors. Um, You just, you can explore and be inquisitive and find all these things. There was even the Blob Opera, which was (laughs) amazing. (laughs) You click on this little thing and these little blobs sing opera and you stretch them and make it. Anyway, you got to check it out. It's pretty cool. And you can earn badges. It's gamified. Really cool. Fun. And I, I used to be into Mystery Sky, but that no longer exists or is available. Oh, um, so, so if, if any listeners actually know of a great replacement, we'd love to hear from you. I would love to hear it too. <laughs> Same. I really like the Ditch That Textbook website. Um, it has yeah. a list of 25 that are really more curated virtual field trips. With It has extension activities. A lot of things come from the Google Arts and Culture, but I just like it because it kind of is, like I said, more curated, has a few ideas. So that's kind of where I am. And I discovered this ultimate guide to virtual museum resources, e-learning and online collections, long name, but it was in response to COVID. The Museum Computer Network developed and um, curated this impressive list of educational resources for e-learning. I mean, they have hundreds of virtual portals, tours, exhibits, collections on arts, culture, history from around the globe. I just think, wow, what a nice curated list to get started. So that brings us into our one thing section. It's time for that one thing. One thing. One thing. It's time for that one thing. It's that one thing. 
What is one takeaway or thought from this conversation that's really resonating with you? I'm going to be ironic. My one thing is that there's not one thing. There's lots of things. And there's so many field trips available, free of charge, easily accessible. Get out there and check them out. It's, it's amazing. Go down the rabbit hole, check out the opera thing that I was talking about. It's pretty cool. And actually, my one thing was one thing as well, too, that too often field trips, the face-to-face, which we don't want to give up. We want to be able to eventually get back to that. But that shouldn't be a one-time, one-event kind of experience, that having the virtual field trips allow us to offer that authentic learning experiences multiple times. And it also gives multiple opportunities for our students then to gain broader perspectives about people, places, and things. So That's a great point. And I guess I just hadn't really thought about these virtual field trips, how they affected me. I <laughs> I was going to bring up earlier, but for uh, Mother's Day, my husband actually gave me the Oculus 2, which is oh, cool. a VR virtual reality headset and controllers. And it actually is awesome. So you oh, can yeah. actually virtually travel the world. So you could, it ha- and it's, and it's also like, VR, so you can look all around. You can go to the ocean, you can go to the rainforest, famous museums, and all these things, and look around. And with the VR, it's crazy. Um, and then I've always wanted to go to the immersive Van Gogh experience. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But they actually have in the VR headset, it's like an immersive Van Gogh through VR. And so in my family room, I'm like, feel like I'm floating inside Van Gogh's world. It was, it's crazy. So I just wonder where the technology is going to go from, (laughs) from here. Eventually that, that, that kind of technology would cheap enough, I think, to bring into classrooms if it's not already there. Can you watch those 360 degree videos in those? Mm -hmm. And then, and then I'm going to be honest, my favorite is the, this is not a commercial, y'all. Um, <laughs> it's the Star Wars. Uh, it's like lightsaber beat. So you, it's like you're holding two lightsabers, and then to music, there's beats, and there's like it gives you controllers of what way you're supposed to do the lightsaber. So you're when my husband took a video of me not knowing because I can't see that anyone's around, <laughs> and I you need look to see like this. a crazy. I want to see it. <laughs> you look like it because, but it's super good exercise, and you're like listening to music, which they can't hear. You have your arms going like you have light- lightsabers that no one can see, and you're like battling things that no one else can see. It's hysterical. A video to be posted and go viral. Is that what we're <laughs> no. going to happen? No. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we hope our listeners take a virtual field trip right on over to Avid Open Access. Check out our podcasts, articles, tooltips, templates, and more. And by the way, do you know why Clark Kent never needed a chaperone on field trips as a kid? Why? Why? Because he already had supervision. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to Tech Talk for Teachers. We invite you to visit us at avidopenaccess.org where you can explore tech tips, grab-and-go lessons, templates, and videos that will help bring remote learning to life. We want to hear from you, so let's continue the conversation. Join us for the first and third Tuesday of the month at 7.30 p.m. Central for a live chat on Twitter where we will facilitate conversations related to remote, face-to-face, and blended learning. Look for hashtag Tech Talk for Teachers. We will discuss your responses on future podcasts. We'll be back here next Wednesday for a fresh episode of Tech Talk for Teachers. And remember, go forth and be awesome. Thanks for all you do. You make a difference.